Here we go. The unpleasant noise you are about. That's not right. It didn't. That started at a weird spot. Here we go. Attention, everyone. This is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn on your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go. Do we want to get right? Hello, everyone, and welcome to Rock Out Loud. It's the rockin'est podcast in the land, and we are shutting down 2021, and uh, we're going to do it in style as we party the blues away and uh, and just break it down. We're into the roaring 20s of the 21st century, ladies and gentlemen. Now, it's a different type of roaring, as we talked about off mic, uh, Kristen and I, different type of roaring than what they had back in the 20th century, but... Uh, we'll still we'll still try to make it happen for you tonight as we get into the show proper and have a good time. But look, it's not it's not me here doing this all by myself. Uh, I'm Steve Glosson, by the way. I don't know if I said that. We got to bring in the rockin'est chick in the land, and uh, I, she's got some experiences to share, some things to talk about, maybe some concerts she's looking toward heading to, and uh, and just all around, we're going to try to put on a party tonight. So. Here it is, ladies and gentlemen, or here she is, I should say. The Rockin' is Chicken Land. It's Kristen in Jersey. What's up, Kristen? Hey, Steve. Hey, everybody. Now, Steve, it, my grandma would agree with you. She does call me Cousin It because of all my hair, mm, so it's fine. Okay. I see. I can see it. I can see it. That's a, thanks, thanks, grandmother. Thanks, grand, <laughs> thanks, granny. She says it with love, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? That's, that's the thing. That's one of the great things about old people is they, they get to that point where you know, they have so many, um, I heard an old person say this way. I had so many, basically I had so many dams to give and now I'm out. You know, I've gotten to the point in my life where I'm out of them. It's and, true. I think that that is uh, one of the the benefits of getting old. Yeah. I know you were saying earlier, don't, uh, you know, don't get old, but mm-hmm. I think that's one of the benefits. Cause just like a kid, you know, it's like, Oh, Oh, Graham, this is, she's so funny. You know, right. <laughs> she didn't, she didn't mean that. It's like, no, I totally meant it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, on one hand, what you've got is you've got that situation where you get injured just by sleeping. You know, <laughs> you wake up and you're like, what did I do to myself? Why is this hurting? You know, I'm in pain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, but then on the other side of that, you've got the right to be the grumpy old person because you've been through life <laughs> and you just see that it's not quite getting any better. And uh, and you've just kind of run out of the will to care, and so you just let people have it, you know, and, and like they can take it or they can leave it, but you know, hey, you've earned the right to say it because well, you're old, you've lived this long. Exactly, you so, got you got the age, you're up there. I mean, who knows how many more you'll have? You know, birthdays. I mean, so you know, who, <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> who knows how many more you'll have? And by the way, I'm talking about birthdays, years yeah, on birthdays. this earth. Yeah. Years on this earth, days of existence. Who knows what's left? Uh, yeah, so that is uh, that. That's that's key. You gotta you gotta just get to that point where you just don't care anymore. And <laughs> and I have I have said for years and years and years, in in some senses, can't wait to be a grumpy old man, um, and just go sit at McDonald's and complain about all the young people. So that's you don't already do that. I do, in fact. Um, <laughs> 
I thought it would come a lot later in life, you know? I, I, I didn't think I'd be in my mid-40s like, look at those kids and their craziness. Um, Get off my lawn. Yeah, I really thought, you kids and your terrible rock music. You know, it's not even rock. I, I never, it's it's so funny. Like, you, I never did think I'd be the guy who was like, eh, you know, I can't stand this newfangled music junk. I don't know what they're thinking. And I am that way. I, I, I turn on the radio. I'm like, what is this crap? This is horrible. I'm not going to lie, though. I'm also like that. Because, uh, I mean, like, I go to those emo night shows and I sit there and, like, I've realized now that emo night is just, like, a night for, like, the generation behind me to be like, oh, my God, I get to experience, like, all these bands. And mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm officially that person that's like, no, I got to see all those bands when they were together and good. Like, I'm that person now. I never would have thought that. Right. Yeah, that's, well, and that's that's the thing. Like, this, this there's a new group coming up that are like it's it's so weird that the emo is now the nostalgia dude and it's so, insane yeah. like people will ask me they'll be like oh my god you saw my chemical romance and it's it's literally like oh my god you've seen the beatles that's right yeah <laughs> it's crazy and i'm like yeah dude like not only have i seen them i've met them <laughs> like i was at the black parade record release show like what up <laughs> which but it's crazy. It's genuinely crazy. And then you go to these shows and people are like, oh, my God, I never got to see that band. And you're like, how old are you? And they'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm 30. And you're like, so why, why did you never see them? Like, we're the same age. What the hell? Yeah. Well, you know, they, they, they had different things they were into. And, you know, back then, Kristen, they were they yes. they weren't. Yeah, they weren't. They weren't all about it. I'll tell you this. Um Speaking of, you, you mentioned them, the Beatles, and we've made it very clear on this. Show. I, I always find it funny. I'll listen to other podcasts, and I'm like, well, here's a hot take. I don't really care for the Beatles. I'm like, Psh, you are years too late, sir or madam. <laughs> we said that since day we've one. We've been saying that since day one. But out of out of just sheer curiosity and intrigue, I watched, or ha I've got like a little bit left, I think, in the final episode of um, the Get Back documentary on um, Disney+. Plus. Okay. What uh, do you think? I it it's fascinating. It is it is absolutely fascinating to watch these guys. A you get you get to see kind of their creative process at that point in their careers. Um, but then B you also get to see their personalities at that point. And and like I'm I'm sitting there I'm like you know who I really like in this whole group. Ringo. Uh, George. Oh, Ringo. I was going to say Ringo or George. Yeah. I know George, or I know Ringo shows up at practice when no one else does, and people yeah. are like, Ringo's the man. Well, I, it's not even about him showing up at practice. It's about him just like, well, what do you think, Ringo? Yeah, that's fine. You know, I'll do it on the, I'll do it, I'll do a concert on the roof. I'm not even going to try to do a, a Liverpool accent, you know. Uh, and, and they're like, well, if Ringo wants it, and you're, it's just like, but he's just such a chill, laid back dude. And it's just like, this kid was just like he knew he was along for it just he to me in course it much like um uh uh oh my gosh why is the name escaping my brain Rick Allen ah yes he you know he was the young kid in Def Leppard amongst a bunch of other young kids mm -hmm. and that's kind of how Ringo was apparently like he was the youngest of the bunch and so i think Ringo realized the ride he was on was pretty special and so he just seems like he's just really chilling and taking it. Either that or he was just really high the whole time. Um, Which it could be that. Could now, very well be. I, I don't have Disney Plus, so I have not watched. Mm -hmm. um, but I've heard, it's weird because I've heard like there are two 
firm camps. They it, it's either like it's so interesting and I was engrossed and you know mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Yeah. Or it's it is the most boring thing I've ever seen in my life. Like it's one like one of those two camps. Like nobody's like yeah it's fine. Um, I have seen the one clip that is sad of Paul being like and then there were two and he's referencing him and Ringo and mm-hmm. it's like now it's literally just those two. Those right. are the only two alive. Yeah. So that's sad. Well, what's I think the people who think it's boring may think it's boring because there's no narration. There's no. It's literally just them like working things out in the studio. It right? is. It is literally just footage of them working things out in the studio, mm. preparing for a concert that they're going to do live for the BBC. And and I'm not there yet, but I think it is. I think it's the the rooftop deal that they did. And, oh yeah, at, at Apple or whatever. Yeah, and so they um, the whole premise is Ringo's about to do a movie. And, um, and, and, and so they've got this big studio space, this big warehouse studio space, and they've got like three or four weeks to come up with music and a concert and build up the venue and, you know, build up a stage area and everything to bring people in to do a live show on the BBC. Well, they're sitting around doing that and they're playing and they're doing, you know, they're working some things out, working some songs out. They've all got different things they've brought to the table. At one point, George quits because they're not listening to him, you know, mm. and he gets frustrated with it. Um, you know, Yoko is in tow every day with John well, and, um, obviously, and you never see her kind of stick her nose in things, but they're catching conversations on the back end. Like before John gets there, after John has left, they're like, you know, if Yoko doesn't like it, then John's not going to like it. You know, that's kind of where they're at. And and, Interesting. and and so and so that's said once or twice. And so you're just kind of seeing some things kind of go down. There's the pressure of having to get this thing out. But then they'll start to jam. And it's like, that's where, Kristen, it is the rock out loud moment of, of, of the whole thing. Because as they start to kind of <laughs> jam together, all the tension just kind of drifts away. Mm-hmm. And they're just in their groove, doing their thing, you know. And you're like, okay, I see. And then they realize that some of these songs, like the Get Back single, was was written during this time span in the course of these few days, and they worked it all out. And you're like, I see the talent now, you know. <laughs> it doesn't make me doesn't make me want to go listen to their discography or you know or go through their music or anything. But it it's it's just it's real. I think that you would dig it just because of the fact that you're literally just a fly on the wall watching this stuff. Mm. And does Disney plus, do they do like a trial or no? I think so. Yeah. Well, uh, I'll tell you when I will watch it then, Steve, I'll watch it next Halloween mm-hmm. because the Hocus Pocus sequel is also going to come out. So, <laughs> All right. so I will use well, my trial you, to watch the get you back keep documentary. Us, you keep us posted. Hocus Pocus. You keep us posted on that, please. I, I can't, oh, wait I will. To, can't wait to hear back from you on that. <laughs> I'm going to be very critical about it. You know that. I mean, I am Winifred. Steve. Yeah. Well, you go for it. I don't know what that means, by the way. Never seen the Hocus Pocus situation, so what? You what? In what that's, world? That's our that's our watch along next year. That's in, our watch along. In, in what Marvel's world? Notebook. Write it down. <laughs> Write in, it down. In what world? In what world am I sitting down in my life to watch Hocus this Pocus? This one. This one. Okay. It, it is a cultural phenomenon. All right. Is it? Is it a cultural phenomenon? Bette Midler just wants to kill children. 
nothing. Disney ch- made this movie. Nothing's changed. Um, Same. I love her. She's the greatest. She's my idol. <laughs> well, you know, that's Bat Midler for you. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, but I, it, look, it is to me. It's fascinating, and it's the same style of. I can bring it around to my geekdom. When the Phantom Menace was released on DVD, there was also released in the special features with that, like an like a nearly two hour documentary, that again had no narration, no one sitting and talking to the camera. Um, it just literally were the camera. George Lucas let the cameras follow him through the process of of making that movie, and and it's just like you're just watching them choose the actors. You're watching the actors go through screen tests. You're watching. You know, sets being built, you're watching decisions being made, you know, you're you're seeing moments of like them watching test footage and George Lucas like, I don't know if people are gonna go for this, you know, basically and and you're just and, and it's just a it's an amazing thing because it's not there's no real slant given to it. It's just here's how this movie was made. In the same way with this, there there's a little bit of like text to kind of let you know where you're at on the calendar. And and a little bit of pre. I, I read that people were like, or that it'll come up and it'll say like, "This is the actual recorded version that made the record." Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, and and like, and so it kind of keeps you up on what's going on with little information like that, or where they're at in the city now, because like at one point they just move studios because oh. they basically decide they're not going to do it at the big warehouse. And um and and you've got this producer who's like I think we should go to Saudi Arabia and have a bunch of how amazing would it be to have non English speaking and just thousands of non English speaking people listening to the Beatles, and he's just an idiot. You're like, what are you thinking, man? And um and and so it's just this it's this amazing thing of like there are people who seem to be absolutely out of touch about the situation because they're trying to be real sycophantic with here are the Beatles, but then you've got people that are like, we've got to rein these guys in a little bit and get them on track. And then you've got the Beatles themselves who are apparently at this point in their career, like they hadn't been in studio together in a long time. Um, Well, this is the hating each other period, isn't it? Well, yeah, this is, yeah, this is kind of getting there. Yeah. This is kind of like the, the powder keg is lit basically. Mm. And so it's just really, it, it's to me, it's fascinating because then that's the reason the footage was never put out there. Be- oh, because it is, it, uh, from what I understand, now I may be totally off base here, but from what <laughs> I understand, the reason the footage was never put out there is because it doesn't really paint them in a good light. I heard Paul looks like Paul comes out looking so bad, he looks like a megalomaniac in a lot of ways. Mm. But it to me though, it may, it may that's what a lot of people say. To me though, he looks like someone who's just like, this is the music I've written, and this is how I would like this music to sound. Mm. You know, to, it doesn't. He's not trying to make it about him, but his songs he's trying to make, and he's just trying to help make the music better. And he's assertive with his opinions. And you know, nowadays, Kristen, people don't like assertive folks. No, but I mean, I can also see that because I mean, think about it like uh, we're both fans of Bruce, right? And Bruce took six months to record the song Born to Run. So (laughs) 17 hours in the studio to record the solo for Jungle Land. Right, right. Yeah. So (laughs) I can't really fault him for that, I guess. Yep. So, um, all right. Uh, John Phillips in the chat says at Mixler.com slash Goliverse, by the way, everyone, we go live. Uh, he says, this is a great insight. Being a huge Beatles fan, I thought it was really for diehard fans. 
Not at all. Um, I, I think if you're a music fan, because I watch a music documentary now, even if I'm not a big fan of the group, you know, like I'll, I'll watch a music because I think it's just fascinating. I, I, I love the creative process of things and, and watching people go through the creative process. Um, what was the well, one? I think that's a good, I think that's a good, like, um, connection to Steve because like think about that show that like I used to send you like classic albums yes. like I used to yes. watch all of those classic albums even for bands that I didn't like mm-hmm. except Nirvana um, <laughs> I would watch all of those and like then I also think about like a movie like Almost Famous like mm-hmm. I know people that think that movie is really boring and like they don't get that movie but they're not fans of music like right. to them music is like I get in the car whatever's on the radio stays on I don't change it I don't put my own music on like that to me is mind-boggling mm-hmm. um so yeah I think some things it's like if you're a fan of music even if you're not a particular fan of that artist you could still get into it right. because you appreciate the fanaticism the music the creative process yeah I think and I think that's the kicker I think that's the key with this is just is just the whole process of what they're going through and what they're trying to accomplish in such a short amount of time. And 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 the the look, you don't get into entertainment without having an ego. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't happen. You know, like if you feel like you're good enough to be in front of people to to do that thing, you've got to have some ego about you. Um, but you also have to be honest. And so, and so I think that's what a lot of people see is they see some of the ego coming through with these guys, except for Ringo. And, (laughs) (laughs) and they just, and they just feel like, oh, they're just painted in such a bad light. No, I think they look like successful musicians who had gone through a time period when they were more famous, according to them, than Jesus. And, um... (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, really, that's what they said. We're more famous, than, and of course, they, you know, all the fallout from that. And you know, the truth is, probably they were. No one was trying to kill them for crying out loud. So I guess, well, that's wrong. God. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a that's that's a poor choice. Maybe of, not the right phrase. Yeah, not the right phrasing. At that time, no one was trying to kill them. Um, you know, but that, that that's that's kind of the thing. It's like you, so. What you're seeing is 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 what happens when these guys have tasted success and they've done weird stuff, you know, like I forget what the movie that Ringo's getting ready to do is called, but it's some kind of like robot Christian or something like that oh. or robot Jesus. I don't know. It was this weird kind of, I'm like, what in the world? But you know, they were in all that artsy or what was considered artsy art house kind of stuff, experimental film at that time, you know, and, and, uh, and, um, George brings his, uh, his Harry Krishna people into the studio with him and everything. And they're just kind of sitting there, you know, rocking back and forth and, and doing whatever that is they're doing. Um, but look, you know never. What I think is great, Steve. Though, like talking about this Beatles documentary, there's so many really good and like weird music documentaries out mm-hmm. right now. Like when we started doing Rock Out Loud, like they were not putting out like music docs like every That's right. week, and now it's like we're in like uh, like the the prime time of freaking yeah. music docs. Like Mark was asking in the chat, like if anyone saw the Atlantis documentary that was on HBO. No, um, I didn't watch that. I need to. It's it's actually really good. Like I thought what I said in the chat and what I've said to like Angie and you know everybody is 
I thought it was going to be more salacious because she came out and like railed against it. Mm. I don't stand by this, even though she appears, she narrates and is interviewed in the entire thing. So I was like, oh, is it going to go into like, you know, her and the producer that she wrote like hands clean about? And it doesn't like it really just shows like, do they talk about that stuff? Yes. But it's really about like the backstory of Jagged Little Pill, how Mm -hmm. it completely exploded and like just that time in history. There's also the Kenny G documentary, which uh, not a Kenny G fan, obviously, but that documentary was really good. He is a character and he's also in on the joke, which I appreciate somebody like that. That's like, oh, no, like I know what people say about me. Right, right. (laughs) I'm I'm just going to play along. Well, that's like he I put him in that same category with like a Michael Bolton who's kind of yes. who's kind of gotten in on the joke. Josh Groban is that way. Josh Groban is is hilarious. He is and, so funny. I love him. You know, and so I'm not I'm not spinning a Josh Groban CD or anything in the vehicle, but like whenever he's on when he makes an appearance on like The Office or The Muppets or whatever he's at like he's funny. Never mind the Buzzcocks. The, yes, yes. He he gets the joke. And so um, yeah, so I, I, I appreciate folks like that. The movie that Ringo was getting ready to do was The Magic Christian. The Magic oh. Christian. Yeah. That was a real box office smash. Peter Sellers, by the way. <laughs> yeah, Peter Sellers um, was, was, was in the movie. Uh, <laughs> listen, let's not forget, though, for our younger audience, Ringo Starr did do his turn as Mr. Conductor in the Thomas... The Tank Engine series. Did he really? Yeah, he and um, one uh, George uh, George Carlton. Oh, yeah, yeah, interesting. Yeah, the, so for all and the, and listen, there are some guys listening to us right now. Though when they were little boys, they loved their um, or George Carlin. Why did I say Carlton? George Carlin <laughs> did uh, did was was the. Uh, what did his turn as the as the conductor as well? Little bitty miniature man that would talk to the children and tell them stories about Thomas the Tank Engine and his friends. <laughs> Ringo also directed a T Rex documentary called Born to Boogie. A who documentary? T Rex, oh. Mark Bolin, T Rex, T Rex to see. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, he was getting into it. Like he was he was all about the the um the the film at that point Ringo like that's another thing like you see him talking to the cameramen and different people about the process of filmmaking in this documentary mm-hmm. like you just kind of you know, like he's just over there to the side talking about it like it's not it's not done to say well Ringo wasn't doing his work it's like they've got a break and so he's over there talking to the guys well how does this work what is this you know so it was something he was he was interested in for sure and um and of course he was about to be in the movie The Magic Christian which you know I, I just love that as a title, by the way. <laughs> so, um, hey, before we get into our party songs tonight, Kristen, uh, we do have an email from Dave Mitchell, the fourth Dave on Twitter. Whoop. And uh, Dave says, hey, Stephen, Kristen, I wanted to recommend a possible show topic. I can't remember if you've done a show on your favorite cover songs. It seems like you have, but I can't find it in the recent backlog of shows online. It's probably not going to be too recent, and I probably need to double check and make sure it's it's there. Um, but we did do cover songs one time, didn't we? We did, yeah, because I talked about Marilyn Manson a yeah, lot. <laughs> yeah, so um, maybe worth revisiting. But I was wondering if you've talked about your favorite cross-genre covers 
So a covering a song in a different style or genre than the original song was, rather than just a straight cover. Um, there's Listen, that's few and far between of, of songs like that that I like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like we definitely, that hasn't been a focus yeah. on a show. Yeah, uh, usually it's going to take um, a good rock band covering, you know, some country song or something and making it better. Um, like, does the Struts covering Lord Royals does that count? <laughs> Maybe because that's more poppy and stuff in it, and over yeah, to their song, yeah, they they do a great cover of Royals. Well, I had a um, I had I had a friend that had a little band, and they did a a, a, a Rascal Flat song. Uh, what hurts the most? We've talked about that a little bit here and there before, with mm-hmm. uh, because my wife chimed in one time. And um and they made it rock like it was he had a rock and roll voice they were a rock and roll band and they absolutely converted that song into an awesome really a radio rock sounding song but still like I was like and and I and and it was not long after that I was like where did I hear this song that done as a rock song and I couldn't remember that it was them live when I went to one of their shows that I heard it and I'm like oh that, and I was so bummed that there wasn't a good cover of that as a rock song and so generally what I like is when a rock band will take some country song or pop song and make it rock and roll. Um, Same. And, 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 and for, as a, as a novelty, um, I will, I will give a pass to these bluegrass bands that do classic rock songs in a bluegrass style. I was going to say, like, I typically don't like, if you cover Springsteen, I'll say nine times out of 10, I won't like it. Mm-hmm. But if Springsteen covers somebody, right. <laughs> I'll right. probably like it more. It, like the artist that I like has to be the one doing it. I was gonna covering. say it almost it almost sounds like you got a little bit of a bias there. Well, because let's be real, I mean, you're never gonna do Thunder Road as good as Springsteen does it. Challenge accepted. I just need to put I together. mean Melissa Etheridge does a great cover of it, but I mean it's not crossing genres. Right. Yeah, that's true. You know? Yeah. Um it it it'd be like um I don't know, like people covering like Bohemian Rhapsody. Again, Pink did a good job, but if I'm listening to if I want to hear Bohemian Rhapsody, I'm gonna listen to Queen. I'm not gonna like reach for Pink's version. Mm-hmm. Right, exactly. <laughs> I, I, no, I definitely feel the same way. I I just um I, I don't know that I've ever heard anyone cover a Bruce Springsteen song outside of, um, you know, Blinded by the Light. So, I mean, I it, my thing I've seen more live. Like Andrew McMahon always covers "I'm on Fire," but it's mm-hmm. "I'm on Fire." Like right. you know, it's it's a really simple song right. to begin with. Also, the Struts covered "Hungry Heart" acoustic and did a great job of that. <laughs> so maybe I just really need to like the band. I was going to say that is uh, that that is really some. That is, you're just showing your bias there, Kristen. You're showing I'm your okay bias with there. It. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> um, anyway, well, so he mentions a guy that he wants us to get out there, like we have this huge audience or something. Um, he says, he says maybe the opening question is, do you even like those? We've talked about that. I have to admit, my YouTube music playlist is predominantly covers, and I especially love clever covers that reimagine songs into a new genre. Nothing makes me smile like a clever reimagining of a song I love or hate into a totally different kind of jam. And like I say, there are times when I do dig that. And I do also like the novelty of a really uh, a good bagpipe player um, taking a rock oh. song and playing it. You know, there's some cool there's some cool videos of that out there. And what who was it? It was um The Red Hot Chili Pipers. The Red <laughs> 
That is a band. <laughs> okay, that's like Hazy Dixie, the uh, the bluegrass <laughs> band that covers the rock stuff. Uh, they no. do a great version of "Fix You" by Coldplay. Oh wow! <laughs> now that'll that'll make a glass eye squirt, as we say in the South. Um, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> fix you. Um, no, there were. Is it? It's not the violin guys. It's it's these two cellos. These oh, two, two guys. Cellos, play, yeah. Is that what they're called? Two cellos. Yeah. And they do thunder. And they do thunderstruck. Mm-hmm. And they're out in front of, and like the, the video for it is they're all dressed in like you know, I don't know what area era of clothing it is, but it's like the 1700s clothing, and like with a <laughs> with a group that was like they're in front of an audience from that time period, you know, and they come out. Oh, and, that's fun! And they bust out thunderstruck on on that. So that kind of stuff I, I dig, you know. As again though, it's a novelty. It's not something that I have in a rotation on a playlist. You know, but every now and again to fire up as a novelty, uh, I dig stuff like that. Um, anyway, uh, Dave goes on to say, the reason I bring this up is also to highlight the work of an artist on YouTube named Alex Melton. The dude is a fantastic musician and his specialty is creating this type of cross-genre cover song, for example, melding pop punk with country. He's also been doing some fun stuff with halftime drums and tempo variations. I highly recommend, and I'd love for Rock Out Loud audience to hear about this guy and give him some love. Anyway, I appreciate y'all. Been a long-time listener, even if I don't reach out that awesome, uh, often. Thanks for letting us hang out with y'all from time to time. Rock on, friends. And that's Dave in Houston. He is the fourth Dave on Twitter, and that's the number four uh, there on Twitter. Now, uh, I did go to this guy's YouTube channel, mm-hmm. and I did peruse around a little bit, and he does kind of lean into the pop-punk kind of stuff. His uh, name sounds so familiar. I think I've seen him. I just am not correlating. Yeah. Um, here, for example, there was one where he did "What If uh, Blink One Eighty Two Did Did One Week," Uh-oh. and so now you know my love for that song. Yep. <laughs> it's been one week since you looked at me. Got you right the side and said I'm angry. And I'm like, no, thank you. You know that's. <gasps> Well, do you, you don't like pop punk. I don't. I don't. I don't. Yeah. So I picked one here that I thought would be just kind of funny, but also it does show off his his uh, his musical ability in some ways. And it's basically if Blink One Eighty Two wrote a thousand miles by Vanessa Carlton. Oh. Making my way downtown, walking fast, faces passing, I'm all bound. Sky. We had to get a toy in. Very Tom DeLong. <laughs> right, right, right. So, so he's really kind of doing an impersonation of of Blink One Eighty Two, but you kind of see that crossover thing that he's doing there. Yeah, and that's super fun. Yeah, he's again. He, I like pop punk, so the, yeah. I, I like that. He's a talented dude, and um, and so yeah, check him out. His name's Alex Melton on YouTube, and uh, if you dig that kind of stuff, check him out. He does a lot of. Uh, 
crossover from some country stuff as well. Um, which again, if you can rip up a country song and make it better, go for it. I, you know, I'm all for that. Um, let me see what else he's got here going on. It, he does a lot of pop punk is what he's doing. And so that's kind of his wheelhouse. And so a lot of it is if Blink-182 did this, if Blink-182 did that. But um, uh, I'm not trying to downplay what he's doing. I think he's doing great. Uh, if Blink-182 wrote Don't Stop Believin'. <laughs> where do you see that? I just typed in his name and it came up. <laughs> oh. See, that's the kind of stuff that I get worried about because I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I want to hear this. You know what I mean? Like, Well, it's definitely going to be different. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't want it to be different. What's wrong with the way it was? Uh, so, um, but yeah, he, uh, let's see. See me charmed life. We looked, we listened to a little bit of what, see like one week. I'm like you with Springsteen with that song. You, I, mm, uh, that's <laughs> that song came on the other day and I was like, me and Steve always talk about like songs with lyrics that are sung really fast. Mm-hmm. We got to get into that one day. <laughs> yeah, we do. We do. Now, here's a uh, look. This is one that I did listen to that I thought was pretty cool because he does halftime drums on it. It's all the small things. And so he changes up the drum, uh, the drum measures a little bit. And it, it, it does have a, a different sound to it. So check it out. I think that's a pretty cool sound. I mean, like that to me, that's a, that's a cool exercise in how to, how, what, if we took this down half a step, what it would be like, you know? Yeah. So, I like that. Yeah. That I'll was, check him out. Check him out. Alex Melton on YouTube. So, um, well, look, I, I know we've got tons of stories we could tell and everything. We've already been going half an hour without really getting into the meat of the episode though, <laughs> which I know is kind of our deal. Um, that's on brand for us. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But uh, we are facing down the new year, yeah. old, old 2022 coming up, as it were. And uh, it, and as such, you know, a lot of people hopefully will be having some New Year's parties safely. And by safely, yeah. I mean, you're not drinking and driving. If you, you know, I don't care about the mask crap. Do what you want to do with that. But I'm just, <laughs> you know me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a, a COVID denier. I don't know. <laughs> Let's get canceled. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> so happy that we have two distinguishable voices on that That's one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's no mistaking. It's Come not on, like, it's, it's not like me and Derek doing a show together. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, thank God I podcasted with you, I don't know, mm. <laughs> a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> um... But anyway, uh, and so we we thought we would do some party music. I, we had a couple of Kristen had a couple of suggestions, and I went and looked in the old Marvel notebook. Which, by the way, 
the the old Marvel notebook I love and and it's still I'll got some empty it. pages, but it is so just chaotic in there that I went and got a new one so that I could have a little bit better um better organization in it. So got us a new Marvel notebook to jot down our fun ideas. Um I'm supposed to write something about hocus pocus in there later, I think, but we'll worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> Different time. Everybody um, reminds Steve. So so Kristen, when you talk about a party, um to me and, and I look, everyone knows what a party is. There's no sense in thinking too much about a party. But before I moved to where I am now in North Georgia, when I was living in South Georgia, I used to uh on the side do a little bit of DJing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so we were, you know, the, my friend had a business and of doing that stuff, and so we would do everything from like high school cheerleading competitions where we'd have tons of speakers set up and kind of MC the thing, and uh, you know, and and have the little cheer music going and all. And then after, you know, once everything was kind of settled down, we'd play a little few dance tunes and stuff for the kids to play, you know, to dance to and everything. We did weddings. Uh, I, I DJed a couple of Christmas parties, graduation parties, all kinds of fun stuff. Um, hated every minute of it, <laughs> and because it, it, I will say this, hated the DJing of parties and stuff because at the outset you don't know. I couldn't read the audience at all. Yeah, you don't so, know what you're walking into. You know, you don't know what kind of party are they wanting. Do they want a dance floor? thumping out here do they want just nice music to eat to you know what they're in the wedding reception what do they want and so um and so when i think about a party i'm like well what are we doing at our party are we just hanging out and got some music on the background you know or are we wanting people throwing down having a good time you know is there is there room to get out on the floor and and do a little dancing you know so so as i'm considering the party i'm like well let's just i'm gonna i'm gonna imagine as I was picking out these songs that I want it to be fun, I want there to be room for people to get into it if they want to get into it. And basically, as I told you in te- via text message, I basically just big honk and showed it. <laughs> so fans of the big honking show. Yeah, yeah, here you go. You've missed it all this year. Get ready. Um, because here's the thing. The thing about the music played on the big honking show is it's familiar, it's fun, and it's going to be that stuff that people are like, oh, I love this song, you know, that kind of thing. And that's kind of the 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 emotion I was seeking to evoke. Now, you tell me what you were thinking when you were thinking party. Honestly, I was thinking of songs that have made it onto multiple New Year's Eve party playlists Great. that yeah. I've made in the past. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I mean, some of them are low-hanging fruit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we'll get to it. One is very low-hanging fruit. Right. Um, Listen, it's then- not hanging any lower than what I've got hanging on here, Kristen. <laughs> I don't know about that. Understand. <laughs> Understand. Are you having to reach a little bit higher than hard to handle. Um, it's a- <laughs> I don't, I, my second son though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's true. But yeah, and I was also kind of going for like one of the things that I kind of um, talked about with you, like ideas when we were kind of throwing ideas out there was like, like what do what are your wishes for, like what do you want for 2022? Like what are some things musically that you're looking forward to? So I also was wanting to do like, all right, well what like party songs do bands have that I'm also looking forward to something related to them mm-hmm. this year? Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, I, and I have no bands that I'm looking forward to this year. I mean, so. again, right on brand. 
Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Um, so I, you know, I feel like if you're gonna have a good party going and you want people to recognize the music, get into it. Like again, it's just fun stuff and and familiar riffs and everything else that goes along with that. So I come on strong because it because this is rock out loud and not dance out loud or wedding party out loud. I did not go with the Cupid Shuffle or <laughs> or, or LMFAO. Uh, I'm like, well, let's just go straight to you shook me all night long. So there you go. I mean, like, everybody's out there throwing their hands up singing You Shook Me All Night Long. Everybody's dancing. Everybody's, like, thinking about A Knight's Tale and that amazing ending. Oh, yes. Yes. That is so true. (laughs) That's right. I I forgot about that. That is a great ending to a movie, by the way. It is. Um, What a moment. (laughs) You've been weighed, measured, and found wanting. And found wanting. Oh, Welcome to the new world, and may God have mercy on you. I mean, it's just a familiar riff. People are going to be out, you know, air guitaring, banging the heads, like I say, throwing the fist up in the air, and no one's going to get shook all night long. (laughs) I mean, if you're at a wedding, maybe, you know, the bride and groom. Right, right, right. Family show. But yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm just saying it's it's the most interesting thing to me because like the dirty little truth about most parties is no one's getting shook on that one. Um, <laughs> they're just all gonna go home depressed and pass out. Happy New <laughs> Year! Tired. Happy New Year! <laughs> I'm not taking my makeup off. I'm just going to bed. That's right. That's right. I'm just gonna sleep in my clothes. Um, <laughs> Uh, so we'll go on to this. Kristen, I'm not familiar with Cobra Starship. Are they related in any way to Starship, Jefferson Starship, or Jefferson Airplane? They are not. Completely separate. Well, that's um, disappointing. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's okay. Um, yeah, so I mean, they were an emo band. Mm-hmm. Um, they recently just released some, um... New but not new songs, um, and it made me go back and revisit them. And like literally every single New Year's Eve playlist I've made since two thousand and seven, this band has been on them. Now mm. there are other party songs that you could definitely do, um, but I went with one of my faves. All right, well this is um, "Keep It Simple" by Cobra Starship. Mm. 
I dig it. I dig the groove of that, Kristen. Yeah, they are very, um, like, very pop, poppy, like, very dancey. Mm-hmm. I mean, hell, the one of the members, Vicky T, played the keytars. <laughs> nice. Well, I was going to say, I love the little lo-fi... Casio keyboard sounding, you know, that's going on there as, as it opens up and then plays after that core after that first chorus. I think is a, I love that playing along with the guitar kind of scratching a little bit. Yeah, like they they were always like to me like the party band. Like they came out of the like the pop punk scene, but obviously they were way more poppy. Um, like the lead singer of this band, Gabe, he was in a band called Midtown, right. who I saw like I saw My Chemical Romance, or they opened for My Chem. So I always loved Gabe. And when that band broke up and he did Cobra Starship, like I saw some of Cobra's first shows were like do you remember the movie Snakes on a Plane, Steve? Do I remember it? I'm tired of these Monday Friday snakes on this Monday <laughs> Friday plane. Well, Cobra Starship did the theme song for that called Bring It Snakes on a Plane. Um, so I went to see oh, that Oh, wait a minute. So here's yeah. here's what happened with that movie with that with that situation. Uh-huh. They they put out a basically they did a contest. Uh-huh. For bands to submit songs for the cre- for the end credits of that movie. Oh, really? yeah, yeah, and so so the songs that are actually playing at the end are, are the people they chose. I say contest. It was basically like we'll put your song in this movie, you know. And so that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. So that's the connection there. So like when that song came out, like I went to go see that movie just for the end credit, mm-hmm, so I could watch mm-hmm. the video and see the love of my life. William, back it up on the screen. Um, but yeah, like I went to see them so many times when they were kind of like the opener for the opener for the opener. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. like they would always give us shout outs. Like they would be like, we like, there's a video online where Gabe's like, you know, I want to take a second. I want to take a minute right here and make some noise for these girls who have been singing everywhere to this show when they were like the opener, opener, opener. So always love them. Great party band. Like if you like pop punk, like if you like that kind of vibe that you just heard with keep it simple, um, very much in that vein. And that's mm-hmm. off the first record. The second record is even more in kind of like the, the party thing. And then, I mean, their third album is their biggest one. It had um, hot mess and good girls go bad on it. So those are like two of their biggest songs. I didn't pick them though, because that's my least favorite record because of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> and that's also part of my like wish list too. Like I'm hoping that 
like there's no plans for them to reunite, but I'm hoping that, you know, in 2022, as we kind of, you know, hopefully start to come out of this whole COVID madness, mm-hmm. I'm manifesting it. <laughs> um, I'm hoping that, you know, some of these bands that came out of that emo scene that were on hiatus or broke up, a lot of them are going to be celebrating, you know, 10, 15, some 20 year anniversaries. Yeah. I'm hoping we get some, you know, commemorative, you know, anniversary tours where those albums are getting played in full. So we'll see. Yeah, that speaking of the anniversaries, that reminds me of something. First of all, I, I have several things now in my mind as happens oftentimes. One, <laughs> one, um, this song particular, I, I don't know what the rest of their catalog sounds like, but this song in particular, they sound like a group called Nor- No More Kings, um, okay. which I've played here and there before on different shows and everything. They're a they're a little group out of uh, L.A that does a lot of pop culture references and stuff in their songs, you know, which of course is the reason I was kind of turned on to them. Um, they got a lot of exposure, gosh, 14 years ago when they, they did a video called sweep the leg and they had like the, the Cobra, they were the first people to do Cobra Kai basically. Um, okay. cause they had uh, Billy Zapka and all of the Cobra Kai guys, you know, sitting around watching the video of the fight and, um, and, and the whole thing is told from the perspective of, um, of, of Johnny, you know, and like, Hey, sweep, you know, like this is the devil speaking your ear, sweep the leg, you know, and this is what happened to you because of this. And, um, but it, uh, so, but they have that same kind of, um, kind of groovy, you know, feel with the same type of like harmonies and stuff going on as, is is what Cobra Starship had in that particular song. Again, I don't know the rest of their catalog at all, but, um. But that one song made me think of that. The other thing is anniversaries um, coming up in the in the next year. Twenty twenty two is going to mark fifty years since um, since the formation of the Christian band Petra that I loved and still love. Um, wow! Growing up, yeah, 50? fifty years since they're formed. Now their first album was released. Their first wide release album was released in seventy four, uh, but they formed and began playing together and and, and traveling and, and touring in seventy two. Um, and, uh, and so I was the other week, we were going to do this. This was supposed to be done about two weeks ago before Christmas, but I unexpectedly had to leave town for a funeral or maybe it wasn't even when I went for you. Maybe it was when I went for, for Thanksgiving. I was thinking about this. Um, I started just rolling through some of their albums and their discography. And I think Kristen, I'm going to try to sit down here in the geek out loud studios and the, at the Wilbur Heath Memorial control center. And, um, and and maybe try to do a, a mini series or a sub series next year about Petra and just kind of walk through their albums. Do it. The That'd yeah. be awesome. Yeah. So I mean, they it's it's so weird to go back and listen because when they start out, they've got a very their early album has a very um, Grateful Dead, all very Beatlesy, you know, of that era sounding sound. Okay. And uh, and just to know that what they evolved into is just amazing. But anyhow, you said anniversary. I'm like, oh yeah, I meant to talk to Kristen about this, so we'll just do it on the air because I'm a jerk. Um, it was just the 50th anniversary of David Bowie's Honky Dory, oh by the way. Oh my gosh! Anyway, wow. We we could move on, but I just right. wanted to shout out shout out shout Bowie. Out 50 Bowie. Years. Shout out to Bowie. Shout out to Bowie. So anyhow, yeah. I, how about I really did dig that that, that song though. Um, That's amazing because usually, like the bands I bring from that genre, you're like, "Yeah, Kristen, take it away. That's all you." But it had a groove. It had a little jam to it, and everything. 
I'll have to send you a couple of their songs that I think you would like. I'll give you like a little sampling. And I got to be honest with you. I love the name Cobra Starship. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they got the idea because Gabe had a dream. He was visited by a cobra and the cobra told him that the world was going to be ending and that he had to write the music for the end of the world party. So, <laughs> And what's his name? Bill S. Preston Esquire? <laughs> no. Ted Gabe Theodore Saporta. Logan. Ted Theodore Logan. <laughs> Was it George Carlin, not Carlton, um, <laughs> who, who came to him? Uh, but Carlin. did he come via? Did the did the cobra come via a phone booth? Um, <laughs> I think it might have been a starship. I don't know. Uh, well, let me tell you something though. You think about cobra starship sounds like it stepped right out of 1979 into 100%. your face. Yeah. Yeah, they were also always about like the neon. Uh, Steve, I'll send you. I'll put together like a little playlist and send you like songs. Okay, all right, all right. Well, listen, when I uh, just moving on, when I think of party, I can't think of a band uh, that to me in my in my mind in my young childhood nineteen eighty seven eighty eight mindset uh, represented party more than poison. <laughs> and uh, and what do you want in party? But you want nothing but a good time. Here we go. everybody out on the floor having a good time that's what we want nothing but that tonight so if you're skating out there get it on show you off your best moves while you do this. see it's a skating rink song too oh all skate everybody skate <laughs> all skate everyone out there nothing but a good time <laughs> yeah this is just one of those songs like here's the thing again low-hanging fruit uh, you think you have low-hanging fruit no my friend no uh, Nothing but my, a good time. <laughs> my fruit has fallen on the ground, and we're just picking it up and throwing it right in the bucket. Just take it. Um, but yeah, this is another one of those. Uh, this is what's funny, though. <clears throat> if it, you can play a song like this when you've got a party going on, and people will be into it for a little bit, but man, you've got to be ready to mix it up because they're going to tire out about halfway through. It's in the South, at least in South Georgia, where I was at, because they're like, we don't really know what else to do now. They're not telling us how to stomp or clap. <laughs> They're not telling us the dance moves. Right. Yeah. They're not saying cha-cha real smooth now. What do we do? And so you've got to be ready to, to throw it down and, and, and move on to something else. But uh, when you find that crowd that they want to rock out and you throw this on and that's in this and they get into it, you know, you, you're, you're in for a good night. <laughs> 
And you may even I, make a little extra money by the end of it. When they're like, hey, can you stick around for an extra hour? That'll be a hundred bucks, sir. <laughs> Here you go. Thank you. Yeah. And think about it. Like, was there a bigger party band in the 80s than Poison? I mean, they, like, that was their entire reputation. Like, mm -hmm. you book Poison because they're the party band. Yeah. I mean, look at the video for Talk Dirty to Me. They have the confetti and mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. pyro going off yeah. and the silly string. Like. <laughs> Now, now, where do you stand on on eighty seven, eighty eight, Brett Michaels? In terms of what hotness? Hotness, yeah. Um, not really my thing. I'm more of a Ricky Rocket girl. Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> I mean, Ricky Rocket on the cover of Look What the Cat Dragged In, prettier than I'll ever be in my life. Um, and yeah, Ricky had the best hair for me. So I was a okay. Ricky girl. All right. I just, I had a, my sister's friend who she hung out with often was just like, Brett Michaels this, Brett Michaels that. And I'm like, you're, he, you're in Hazelhurst, Georgia. <laughs> my grandma loved, loved Brett Michaels. Like back oh my in gosh. the day. Is your grandma Jackie from, from the TikTok videos? <laughs> She's not. Oh my God. I mean, my grandma doesn't curse nearly as much as okay. Jackie, but. Yeah, she loved Brett Michaels. Like wow. when Angie met Brett Michaels, she said to him, "She was like, my mother loves you," and he like gave her a kiss on the cheek and was like, "That's for your, that's for your mom." Oh wow, wow. <laughs> well, now Brett don't look so hot today. Um, I mean, the dad he's still, he's still doing all right. He's still yeah. looking good. Well, he's there was ripped. there like, was physically he's ripped. Okay, well there was a period in there where the diabetes got him down. And um, he was struggling yeah. a little bit, yeah. But well, that's good to know. I hadn't, I guess I hadn't seen him in a few years. Yeah, oh my god, yeah, he's he's got like the six pack abs. I mean, he he definitely looks good. Okay. Um he he like it freaks me out because he has really, really dark facial hair that I feel like he just for men, so like that's off putting. Mm. Um but yeah, I mean definitely still looks like Brett Michaels. We don't have like a Vince Neal situation happening or well, anything. Well that's good. That's good. Yeah. 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 Definitely not. The opposite yeah. Vince Neal. Well that's good. Um, also, uh Poison is one of like the couple of albums I have in my vinyl collection that's Sweet. autographed. Sweet. That's cool. That's very cool. <laughs> Brett Michael signed in pink Sharpie. By the way, I've learned I don't know how to mail an album to somebody. Really? Yeah. I, I can't find it. I'm like, I guess I need to order one of those boxes that are made specifically for mailing albums because I've got an album for you, as you know. Yes. And it is uh, a <laughs> spoiler. spoiler alert. <laughs> Uh, Kristen had talked about she wanted the Labyrinth album so bad, and Haley and I went on a little trip uh, just around uh, Chattanooga, just hitting a bunch of antique malls up. And the antique malls are nothing if they don't have they have nothing if they don't have some vinyl uh, sections to peruse through. And this one on the wall of this little section, they had there it was staring me right in the face, Labyrinth. There was the Goblin King looking right at me. Oh, looking so, beautiful. Thank you again for that. Yeah, by the way. I was excited. I was excited to find it and be able to get it for you, you know. So um <laughs> I just now have to figure out how the how the how the HD double hockey sticks to I mail this thing. Um Well my Secret Santa this year mailed a forty five in a shoebox. So. Really? Oh well, that seems unsafe. I'm yeah, like, I mean, they, they definitely put some packing stuff in there so yeah. it didn't slide around. But okay. yeah, they got me a uh, Bruce Springsteen. I'm going down 45. This person's oh. never met me before in my life. I almost cried. Wow. I just, I don't have shoes big enough that would fit a, a full-size album in there. So <laughs> Why not, Steve? Well, get because, bigger feet. Yeah, get bigger feet, Glosson. <laughs> get you some clown shoes, Glosson. Well, listen, it's not a Kristen party if we don't have some killers played. This is my lowest hanging fruit. You think so? Well, this is Mr. Brightside. Coming out of my cage and I've been doing 
low-hanging fruit is often pretty good. It's it's <laughs> weighing down those branches because it's ripe and ready to be plucked. So, I I don't. I mean, it's such a party song. It is. It is a party song, and also it's a rock out loud song. It is. Look, you you said earlier in the chat when we were talking about Mr. Alex Melton on YouTube. You mentioned that pop punk was comfort music for you. And yeah. and for me, when we're doing Rock Out Loud, the killers is comfort music on Rock Out Loud. Interesting. Well, I mean, it just like to play this, I'm like, this is right. We, so of course we're supposed <laughs> to be playing this. You know what I mean? Like, it's like if everything else is askew in the world, this is the right moment on Rock Out Loud. Yeah. Uh, and here's the thing, too. Like, this song just, um, it brings out something in people that people just lose their mind. Mm -hmm. um, like, the energy is so incredible. I mean, like, I say this all the time, but, like, the Killers are such a ballsy band in that, like, they will come out and play Mr. Brightside as the opener. Mm. I have seen so many shows where the Killers, lights go down, Killers walk out on stage, and it's the opening chords of Mr. Brightside that we're playing. Like, and the explosion of energy that like just comes out of that is yeah. insane. Um, and even though it's like, okay, I've heard the song a million times, you know, it's always going to get people up and going. Um, I know Steven, the email I sent you, I linked like a live version of this song, which mm -hmm. is like ridiculous. Like the crowd just completely takes over this song. And I, I feel like it's the perfect, <laughs> it's the perfect representation of what this song feels like like people just lose their mind um and it also made me be like well i guess i have to see a killer show in glasgow before i die so <laughs> um here i'll pull it up real quick because i've got it right here Face, Kristen. Wait until like three seconds from now. He like loses it. I mean, like, 
He's just like, it's almost, there's a moment when they, when he starts and they're just like overpowering him completely. Like he's got a deer in the headlight looks about him. Like, like what just happened here? And then he. Like at that point, you're like, I have all the control and yet none of the no, control exactly, at the same time. Exactly. And, and it, there, but there's also something that flashes across his face. Like I'm making money by letting the audience now do my, do my job. Dude, it's like, think about it. It's like when you wrote that song when you were heartbroken because your girlfriend cheated on you. And now there's like 100,000 people in a field in Glasgow, like overpowering you, singing it back to you. Like, mm -hmm. that's so crazy. Yep, yep, yep. That's, I mean, like, I can't imagine. They're... No, also shout out that live version that they do. That's the Jacques de Lucant remix. Mm. Um, they go into the, you know, the actual version after that. Mm. But yeah, I've also gotten that version of the, you know, the Jacques de Lucant version. And I was like, oh my God, it's the Jacques de Lucant version! Because I'm psychotic. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, here, let's just, whatever. Look, <laughs> I don't know where to go from there except just to do this. Cause the mama, I'm sure all the hand and I just around. I mean, look, you know me, everyone knows me, knows that this is a song that is a staple on the party that we used to call the Big Honkin' Show. The version with the horns. The version with the horns, though, exactly. I didn't play that version here. I just went ahead and played the uh, the album version from Shake Your Money Maker. Um, but yeah, the it's the horns version that is uh that is the best uh to me because it's just it it's that much fuller and richer and it and it goes along with this is a cover song. This is one of those that kind of cross over a little bit because Otis Redding originally did this song. I believe it was Otis. And, ah, um, interesting. Yeah, and so so this was a cover, and that's why I think that's why they had horns in the original version of this. Um, because it was more it was closer to what Redding had done and um but they didn't like it. And so they took him out. But I, look, I, I think that 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 drum coming in that way and everything, and then you just it just starts to break down like it does. And you know, everyone everyone's going to shout at the same time at a party. Hey, little thing, let me light your candle, cause yeah. I'm shot and yeah, yeah. So that's you know, it's just <laughs> and look as I say, as I told you, you had low hanging fruit of Mr. Brightside. I bent down and picked up the fruit that fell on the ground. Uh, <laughs> Well, here's the thing. If somebody was to say to me, like, oh, yeah, so, Kristen, like, you do this podcast, like, with your friend, like, you know, like, I don't know, what, like, what stuff is he into? Like, describe him to me. I'd be like, uh, hard to handle by the, the black crows. Like, that's, <laughs> that is Steve Glosson. Like, that's all you need to know. Not, like, don't take that, like, um, you know, like, literally, but that song, that is what I think of when I think that's of That's awesome. You. Yeah, well, I, look, and, and I... I can't say that I celebrate their whole catalog, but there's not a lot of Black Crows that I don't like. And um, and, and so, but this song particular, I don't know. There's just like, again, maybe it's the fast talking stuff that goes on kind of with the, hey, little ah. thing, you know, maybe it's that. But also, I 
there's to me it's something about the way the drums come in, you know, and and just you're like, what is happening right now? And then, yeah, you know, it's all the riffs. And so again, it's just people gonna get out there and go to it when you when you fire this up. Um, that so, bluesy groove. That's right. That's right. Um, I'm excited about this because I I don't know I don't know that I've I know this particular song by Thin Lizzy. Mm, um, I'm excited for you to hear it. And I'm wondering if it's a is this a cover or has it been covered? I'm really interested. So I'm I'm interested to hear. This is Dancing in the Moonlight uh, by Old Tin Lizzy. party song right like yeah. it has like that nice groove like i feel like every good party like playlist you need these kind of songs at the right time right yeah, that right you'll yep. have a groove like you know you get to that chorus and you're like yeah like you're bobbing your head like yeah but it's yep. a little more on the chill side a little more on the chill side let you breathe a little bit grab something to drink chill out a little bit talk to some folks you know, I love the uh, I love that electric bass. Is that down? Yeah, I love that. That's some good stuff. Now, the dance in the moonlight I've always heard is dancing in the moonlight, and I don't know who that is. <laughs> it's somebody. It's not. It's not this song because this is, this is a Phil song. Yeah. Um. But the reason why I put this is because um since our last show. Um, I watched the Phil Linet documentary on Amazon Prime. I think it's called Songs for When I'm Away, like Phil Linet Songs for When I'm Away. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really good documentary. I do think it is slightly guilty of brushing over some of the um, controversial Mm-hmm. things with Phil Linet, the, you know, the alcoholism mm-hmm. and that sort of stuff. I definitely think it kind of glosses over that. Um, but it truly focuses on how incredible of a songwriter he was, yeah. how he influenced so many people, how he's such a unique voice. Um, and sadly, not appreciated hmm. in America. I mean, you ask most people here and it's like name a thin lizzie song everyone's gonna make boys are back in town right right maybe you get jailbreak from some people Hmm. but there's so many gems out there and he has such like a tender like almost like jim morrison in a way where it's like that poetic soul okay yeah yeah 
that's what I kind of get from him. Um, and it was funny because when that documentary came out, like that, the Sirius um, XM channel I listened to, Volume, they had like the director on and we're talking. So like it generated all this talk about Thin Lizzy mm -hmm. and they have like a Facebook group and I, I'm in that. And I was like, hey, since everybody was talking about like all the Thin Lizzy and Phil Linet stuff you know, today, like, here's some pictures from when I went to the rock and roll or the Irish rock and roll museum. And it like that day was just so funny to me because we literally got off a plane, checked into our Airbnb, went to the Irish rock and roll museum. Everybody was there for you too. And like, I was like, I'm waiting for all the Thin Lizzy stuff. And like, when we walked into the Thin Lizzy room, like everybody was like, "All right, we took a picture and left." And I'm like, "Oh, look at this base! Oh nice. my god, look at his report card!" Oh, yeah. I'm like just freaking out. Um, and then the next, we went right from there to his statue in in like the center of the city. Um, so yeah, like I I think in 2022, because I def like I'm a fan of Thin Lizzy and I really like Phil, and I want to dive a lot more into the catalog though. Mm. I think there's so much stuff that I'm not familiar with that I should be. So that's like my um. That's my little, you know, goal for myself. Right. It's my resolution in 2022. Well, Kristen, I'll tell you, guilty. I am, I'm guilty of, 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 like, if you said Thin Lizzy, I'd be like, boys are back in town. Yeah. You know, like, I, I'm, I'm one of those. And, uh, but here's the thing. What is the name of the documentary on Amazon? Um, I believe it's called Phil Linet Songs for When I'm Gone. Okay. Because I, I, that's one of those things that I'll watch, you know, especially going into, like, his songwriting and that sort of thing. I don't, Very much. You know, Songs uh, for While I'm Away. I'll send you the trailer, Steve. You know, I don't need um I don't I don't want to be I don't know. I don't need a behind the music. You know what I mean? Mm. Like like it, those are interesting and I love I love the behind the music where they come back and they overcome adversity, you know, all that stuff. They get cleaned up and they're doing it right. But but I, but just like with the Beatles thing, like I, you know, what fascinates me watching that, as I said at the outset, was not the, the fighting and the and the stuff that goes on or the controversy. It is the it's the process that I'm getting to see shape up and take place. That to yeah, me so that I fascinates think, me. I think you'll like it. I good, think you'll like good. that documentary. And it goes in a lot too because like he was you know a black guy mm -hmm. in Ireland. I mean. Mm. Not the greatest time to right. you know be that in, right. in the sixties, you know, very very close minded conservative area. So, like I said, really really good deep dive. I I I do think you'll like it. Like I said, like there were some things that just for me, I was like, wow, like they are totally just leaving this whole piece out. Yeah. Um, but I mean, it made me cry. But then again, what doesn't make me cry? So, <laughs> well, now the 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 whole thing of of. Of him, like I like, I'm absolutely unfamiliar with him, you know, ah. and, and his story and everything. So, and so he's an icon. I mean, he's got a freaking statue. <laughs> right. Wow. <laughs> well, see, there you go. I do need to do this really quickly because when I was digging up this song uh, or or getting this song put on the playlist, I stumbled across Doctor Teeth and the Electric Mayhem doing "Dancing in the Moonlight," and I don't know if this is if they're doing the Thin Lizzy "Dancing in the Moonlight" or a different one. Um. Dr. Teeth and the Electric Mayhem, everybody, is one of the great rock bands of all time. They are, of course, Muppets. Um, so <laughs> there's that. But anytime I see a Muppet covering a song, I'm like, I got to check this out and see what it is. No, this isn't the same one. Okay. Yeah. This is that dancing in the moonlight that I was that I was thought the, this one might have been. 
Okay, well, back to the back to the party, everybody. Excuse me, I'm sorry I brought the Muppets in. They'll ruin a party in a heartbeat if you don't like them. Um, <laughs> so, so we've been chilling and dancing in the moonlight, and now you need everyone to get fired back up again. Mm-hmm. So, so what do you do? You just kind of you give them a guitar riff they're familiar with, and uh, and something uh, that I'm not sure is, is I don't know if this is offensive these days or not. But you just play this a little bit. Kristen, help me out. There was a, a, a one of these teenage, you know, things, movies uh-huh. uh, about about it was one of those coming age teenage, you know, high school movies where the jocks and the bullies are all like going after the nerds, and then they all get together and they love this song. What? I don't remember what it is, but it's it's kind of a subplot where like one of the jocks is like, oh, I love this song, and turn it up, and. And so before you know it, like the jocks and the nerds are all partying because of Paradise City or something. I Oh, can't hardly wait, according to Mark Hamill. Okay, there it is. Can't hardly wait. Good. I, I knew it was something from around that time period. Yes, yes, that was right. That's exactly what it was. Seth See, when Green. you said that, I thought Empire Records because there's that whole conversation about Axel in mm, Empire yeah. Records. No, this was like it's so it's kind of funny because it's like, you guys like this song? I like this song. And and uh, and as I I don't re- I don't remember what came of that little joke, but something did. Anyway, look, I'm sorry. Even sitting here by myself, I could not help. It is just, um, it is it is muscle memory to start kind of windmilling the air guitar, and then when Slash hits that, you know, just to go right at it too, you know, air guitar style, and then of course the whistle blows and your head banging. Well, again, a song that everybody knows. Right. Yeah. Everybody's going to be into it. Everybody's going to be doing the air drums, like. Right. And and everyone's and and no one knows. You know, just a nurture living under the street. You got. But everyone's going to be when it hits that chorus. Take me down to the paradise. 
right. You know, <laughs> take me home. You know, and then everyone yeah. starts to, yeah, I was going to say, then everyone starts to try to do their actual impersonation. Yeah, yeah. Um, do the little, like, the snake <laughs> dance that he does. Yeah. He does that. You know what, though? Does he not do that? It's really just Mr. Brownstone where you really see him do that in a video, isn't it? Or I guess he does it a little bit on Paradise City. I feel like video. he does it in the Patience video, too. Yes, in the studio. and he's doing it slow. Yeah, he's doing yes. the slow snake dance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been slow walking the street dance. tonight. Because <laughs> <laughs> I need you. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. We'll be here all week. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. Now, Kristen. Again, it wouldn't be a Rock Out Loud party without uh, a couple of staples. Yeah. And uh, one of those, of course, is Bruce. Bruce, But now I I think you turned me on to something I wasn't necessarily aware of. This version? Well, not not just this version, but the uh, I, but the idea of like you said, this is a wish that you you have for the upcoming year. Or is he touring the no nukes? Okay, the no nukes so, um, set list. So not that, okay. but the rumor is that 2022 the E Street Band is going to be back and tour. People like I believe. Eve tickets or not tickets have gone on sale, but I think shows have been announced in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like two shows and Max Weinberg was just on a hockey podcast that I listened to. And uh, he said, he was like, Oh yeah. So like the next time I'm out on the road, I'll be 71. I think he said, and he was like, Oh, I probably shouldn't say that cause I'm 70 now. So that might give something away that I don't know is out there yet. <laughs> <laughs> so fingers crossed. I'm ready for an E Street Band tour. The last one was in, what, 2016? I'm ready. I really, really need it because, you know, your girl needs to cross off the last Bruce-related thing on her bucket list, Mm -hmm. which is to see a Bruce show from the front row. Mm. Well, I hope it for you. Now, look, I've got several versions pulled up here. Yeah. But do we want to do the Madison Square Garden from 79? I want the No Nukes one, yeah. Okay, well, that's what this is. This is the, well, this is from the album, the No Nukes Concerts. Yeah. Okay, so here we go. Yeah, well. And the leaves came to bleed down. Mama's wise, 
Look, I'm just going to tell you straight up, Bruce puts on a great show. There's no getting around that. That's like, and and this is a great song for a party. This this is the bop, bop your head while you're standing around. Like, this isn't a chill out song at all. But it's no. very much like you can kind of do that little, you can do the white person dance to it. You know, where you just kind of bounce your knees and sway back and forth a little bit. You know what I mean? You know, totally. may, maybe you put dancing in the dark dance. Maybe put a little shoulder into it. Yeah, yeah, kind of like the dancing in the dark dance. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, this is the everything in the kitchen sink song, right? I mean, like it's yes. literally meant to drive you crazy. Live, he draws it out. Yeah, does all like the hype up stuff. Introduces the band in this version. Um, and it literally, like, by the time, like, they come up and they're like, bring it up, you're, like, ready to explode. And then Clarence's da-na-na-na-na-na-na comes right. in. Oh. Right. It's just so good. And you know what's funny about this song? This is a song that um, I took a long time to to like. Mm-hmm. I did not like this song when I was younger. I was like, oh, God, the song, ugh. No, it's, uh, no, I just don't like it. And now I really like it. But... <laughs> That's it. You know, I feel like I remember you saying something like that before. Like, like you've you've almost even said it at times past. Like, it's not my favorite. You know, kind of like yeah, yeah. Like honestly, probably just like in the last couple years, have I really mm. come around on Rosalita, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I wanted to highlight the No Nukes version because that's like the latest live release that has been put out. Um, so like I got the DVD and the vinyl. <laughs> because obviously um in the dvd are you actually get like an envelope that is like a like it's it's like a ticket holder envelope and it says like you know do not release unless ticket holder is there or whatever Mm, it says and it's like a ticket stub to no nukes oh nice nice yeah so that's super cool in the vinyl you get like a giant picture book and then you also get a giant poster um but yeah, man, like I am so overdue for an E Street band show. Yeah. And Bruce well, Tour. I, I need it. I need it in my life, Steve. When you when you when I was getting your email and you said no nukes version, I was like, I wonder, okay, is this something? And so because I wasn't familiar with this at all at this point. And mm-hmm. so I was doing some Googling and like there's some videos and stuff out there, um, but I couldn't find Rosalita. The only thing I could find Rosalita was either an old grainy video. Uh-huh. Um, from from this era, or this little thirty second clip from the Bruce Springsteen official Facebook page back mm-hmm. in October when he says, "Have you pre ordered the legendary uh, nineteen seventy nine No Nukes concerts yet?" And yeah. um, and it says, "A little Rosalita gets you through the day." And so this is the clip from from that video here. When I thought it was, <laughs> got to make sure all the volume is turned up, Glosson. Break it down. So, I mean, it's Bruce. It's Bruce just throwing down like Bruce does, you know, especially back in those days. But I want to read um, <laughs> some of the comments here from, oh from this thing. Um, well, the first thing is someone's really nice, and she says, My brother, who we lost in an industrial accident, turned me on to Bruce Springsteen. I moved heaven and earth to get front row seats for my 18-year-old niece, Little Red. She knew every word to every song in the four-hour set, best night of her life. And there's a picture 
of Bruce right down around the front row crowd. And you see a little redheaded girl, you know, reaching out to him, that sort of thing. But then another lady says, forgot how gorgeous he was. <laughs> Such magnetism. People love Bruce, man. <laughs> they love him for his looks. I mm -hmm. don't see it, but. Yeah, yeah. And then, and then, and then another lady says, "Sexiest man alive." Heart eyes emoji. So, <sighs> beauty is in the eye of the beholder. In a world where John Bon Jovi exists, yeah, nah, sure, sure, nah. sure. <laughs> well, you know, listen, it's the magnetism that got him, Kristen. It's I mean, it's the magnetism. Well, the funny thing is, like that no nuke show, like that was basically a festival show. Yeah. Like Bruce went on at like six p.m. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm. you see there's people in the crowd that are so into him and know all the words and there's other people that don't um and they did such a good job with like cleaning up the audio and really cleaning up the picture quality like the picture quality is spotless yeah um and it just like i don't know it's so it's so great and like at one point like jackson brown and tom petty come out to sing with him so it, it's just really cool like it it for it's short, I will say that it's only like an hour and a half. Mm -hmm. Uh, which for a Bruce show, like you know, Steve, you went to one, yeah, very, yeah. very low, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I wish it was longer, but yeah, happy, happy to add it to my collection and happy that I get to add it to my vinyl collection as well. Sounds beautiful on the speakers. <laughs> well, good. I listen, I you, you know, you are the one that turned me on to Bruce through this show and and uh and and that has been one of the joys of my life is getting to know the music of this guy and then and then actually going to the concert in Atlanta a few years back and and just sitting there and taking in the whole of the experience was just awesome you know um Is that episode on Spotify? I need to go back and listen. I don't know. <laughs> Cuz I loved that podcast. It'd be from February or March of 2016. February, so, I think, because I think you were like a week after me. I think. Yeah, it was. It was right there, close together. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, so that was a good time. That was the river tour. Yes, and, it uh, was. Yeah, great time, great time. <laughs> and and I mean, it was just me by my lonesome, just there, just doing my thing, and and so I was able to just take it in. You know, I wasn't worried about entertaining anybody or or you know, I, I wasn't about to strike up conversation. I was just there to take it in and was able to and just had a blast. So, um, good stuff. Well, this is my last pick of the party songs. Now, obviously, if I'm doing a party, I'm going to be, you know, doing a lot of different things. Um, but my friend Chris and I, uh, known as Coach to um, to listeners of the Big Honkin' Show, we'd always shut down with two two songs. The first would be Mustang Sally, <laughs> you know, just to kind of wind her on down. But then uh, every gig we did, we ended with, and usually it was just people were already done and going their own way. But for whatever reason, we would end with Wanted Dead or Alive. And, well, I know the reason, but we'll talk about it after we listen to a little bit of this. So, Wanted Dead or Alive.
So the way this actually came about, I think, for us was through the game, the the, the popular video game Rock Band. And okay. we would get together at Coach's house just to hang out and play Rock Band. Um, they they brought me in on doing all that. And so I was like, I can't get these guitar controllers down, guys. I can't do all this stuff. I can't sit at a drum set and do this. It's too confusing for me. And they're like, well, there's a microphone there. I'm like, then give you me the mic. I was like, give me the microphone, gentlemen. We're about to blow this thing out. And, um, <laughs> and so, and so, and, and I couldn't, when we'd get to doing these songs, I couldn't just sit there and do the songs, like sit back on the couch and do it. Like I had to get up and front man the thing, you know? And, uh, and so this is the one, like, this is the one we'd always do to kind of say, all right, it's over. And we did this song on rock band so much. And I, like we started noticing little nuances the game did like the the crowd would sing back to you if you were doing well oh. you know so you do the want it and the crowd would go want it and uh, and so um so this for whatever reason because of that connection coach just started when we were doing stuff together playing this is the last thing and i just kind of kept on with that when i was doing solo gigs you know djing for his businesses this would always be the closing song after this song played, I was unhooking speakers and wrapping up chords and hitting the door. Um, and uh, and so... It's definitely a rocker to go out with. Well, it is, you know, but it's also kind of like, you know, see you next year. You know? Yes. It, it's, and, and so um, I just... that that's, To me, that song signals into the party. And and so, you know, it's now it's now time for everyone to go home. Bye-bye. If bye you're bye. if you're still here, you must be the caterers who are cleaning up. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, we've talked about this song before, Steve. Sure. So like yeah, you there's... know how I feel. Right. Like, right. Way overplayed. Sure. But however, I will say I haven't listened to One and Dead or Alive in about three, four years. Yeah. Sounded good. Like it was nice to kind of, you know, well, go that, back to it. That's the thing about songs that it's like, I don't have a problem with it. It's overplayed. I'm kind of tired of it. There's a difference in not liking a song and being tired of a song. hundred percent. And then you let that thing go away from you for a little while. And then you put it on. You're like, yes, I do like this song. I understand that it's overplayed and I was tired of it, but it's great to hear. Good to see you again. Good to see you. <laughs> Good to see you, my Good friend. Good to see you, yeah. yeah so. um, I actually do, though. I have a funny Bon Jovi story. Oh. So, um, for Christmas, I got Angie a book called uh, Sex, Drugs, and Bon Jovi. Mm-hmm. And it's written by Richie Bozette. And for psychotic fans like Kristen that just ingested all of the Bon Jovi things that she could as a child. Richie Bozette used to be Bon Jovi's tour manager. And he spills all the tea because he got screwed over. Now, again, you know, is it true? Is it not true? You believe what you want. But um, we had a lot of conversation over Christmas about how John Bon Jovi is kind of a master at like scrubbing his reputation clean mm-hmm. where people kind of look at him and they're like, oh, well, he's been with the same woman since he was in high school. It's like, yeah, her and 500,000 other women as well. But yeah, always went back to her. Yeah, it's like, right. he's, he's not this squeaky clean angel, which is the image that he very much projects now. Um, and apparently John did not want this book out there. So I can't wait to read it when Angie's done. <laughs> <laughs> because my veil of um, 
I don't know, just like Bon Jovi can do no wrong is way gone and been gone for many years. Um, so it'll be interesting to read. But like I said, I mean, John Bon Jovi to me is the most beautiful, perfect man I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nobody will ever be better than John Bon Jovi 1985. It just will never, it'll never happen. And that is why I will be single for all time. Cause I'm always <laughs> going to be chasing that image and it ain't ever going to happen. Well, look, that's the thing. Yeah. But, um, that I, I love that. I love the phrase spill the tea, by the way. Oh yeah. <laughs> the tea is hot. <laughs> well, listen, you know, I know that our, our issues with John are, are perpetual, you know, and, and it does to, I am sad that he and Richie can't make it work for some reason. And I think we blame John rightfully. 100%. So he's yeah. the one dragging Richie through the mud all the time. Right. Richie's like, leave me alone, dude. Yeah. I'm done, man. I'm done. <laughs> Let me just cash my checks. Thank you. Yep. Yep. Well, this is how we're going to close out the party. Um, yeah. <laughs> what was that noise you just made? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, this is this is a again. This is one of those bands that that you play regularly on the show. Um, not saying that critically at all. I'm just saying, but it's also one that every time I hear, I'm like, gosh, I always forget to listen to these guys to kind of because I love them every time I hear them. I enjoy what they do. So uh, this is the darkness. It's the last of our kind. What a great voice. He's so good. There was actually another song that I... I was between a bunch of songs at the darkness. And mm-hmm. one was a live version of their song, Buccaneers of Hispaniola, from the live record. <laughs> Yo. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Go find it. Is that the modern day uh, <laughs> curse of the Ed- or singing of the Edmund Fitzgerald? Uh, not quite. <laughs> but that was the other one I was going for. The voice is just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, no no bones about it. I love the darkness. 
I have loved them since I was 12 years old. And I was told it would just be a phase that I would grow out of. And I'm about to be 32 and still in my phase. Wow. <laughs> We're going that... 20 years strong with the darkness. Um, but the reason why I put them on here, obviously you'd want to play them at a party. I mean, most people would play I Believe in a Thing Called Love, which again, flawless song. Mm -hmm. It's huge for a reason. Um, but they just released a new album called Motor Heart. Which I have not been able to like appropriately dig into yet, um, which is why I picked a song that is you know five or six years old at this point. Um, but they are also they release tour dates for April in the states, and like the Good Darkness fan that I am, I'm going to back to back shows: one in Asbury and one in Philly. <laughs> <laughs> doing VIP for both because obviously now Steve okay I gotta run this by you mm -hmm. um, so one of the perks with the darkness uh, VIP is that you get to you could one person gets their name drawn out of a hat um, and you get to play a song with the darkness if okay. you want like if you enter now I could ask to do the cowbell on one-way ticket <laughs> or i could ask to sing a song with justin mm. so like i really don't know like do i even want to do that am i gonna like freeze up and be nervous i don't know but i have two opportunities and i feel like i should throw my hat in the ring of course you, you should <laughs> of course you should of course you should also make sure someone's there with 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 appropriate equipment to video it <laughs> And also make sure that I get sent that video. Here's the thing. If you don't have rhythm, don't do the cowbell. Oh, it's really easy to do it. And the I do have rhythm. Famous last but words. It's just for the beginning of the song. Right. Well, also, if you're not going to break it down like Will Ferrell in the cowbell sketch, <laughs> don't do the cowbell. Okay. But if you want to sing along with him on a song, I say go for that. And just, but be willing to belt it out. Be, oh, you know, because yeah. you never know. You might run into you might you might get up there and surprise yourself and end up being in a kiss guy situation. <laughs> well, here's the like the nice thing. The nice thing is that it's during sound check, so mm -hmm. like only people in the VIP. Oh, okay, will see cool. It. Yeah, okay, yeah. So it's not like you'll make oh. a fool out of yourself in front of like everybody. Well, it's not fun if you're not making a fool out of yourself in front of everybody. No, I think that is a great opportunity to just go up and have fun. And she, yes, I think you should definitely throw your hat in the ring to do that, for sure. And, like, I love them, and <laughs> they make me feel safe as somebody, like like I said, that has gone to, like, multiple darkness shows. There was actually um, a show that I went to where this dude was, like, really hardcore hitting on me on the barricade at uh. a darkness show. And, like, I kept telling him, like, no, dude, bands on stage, like, stop, like, stop talking to me. And Justin literally came over and, like, said something to the guy. Oh, wow. And, like, called him out. And then, like, he was like, we weren't going to play this song now, but we'll move it up in the set list. He was like, this song's called Get Your Hands Off My Woman. Nice. Mother, mother Father. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Monday, Friday. <laughs> yeah, Monday, Friday. Um, so, yeah, like... And that's ha like not that exact scenario has happened a couple times, but there have been times where I'm just like, you guys are just good dudes. Like, they always make me feel great. Like I said, like I told them, I was like flat out. I was like, guys, I was told when I was 12 and fell in love with you that uh, you were a phase that I would grow out of. 
and uh, I'm here and, you know, I'm whatever age I was at the time. And I'm like, and I am still, I am happily in my phase. And they were like, we love you so much. So like, they're always such sweethearts. So that's always nice too. And I feel like a lot of times, especially Justin gets like a really bad rap because his, his humor is so dry and mm-hmm. sarcastic. People are like off put by it. And I'm like, the dude's hilarious. Like, I, I don't know what you all are talking about, <laughs> but yeah, like honestly, like such sweet guys to me, love them, love them, love them. So I really hope that, you know, everything is, you know, simmered down that shows can still happen. Um, and that once April comes around, I will be seeing the darkness mm-hmm. for, I don't even know how many times I've seen them, but maybe I'll have to count, but a lot, it'll probably be 10. It'll probably be over 10, over 10 um, times. Yeah, I mean, it not it, they're not the struts. They're not up there yet. Right. The, they're not in the 30s. <laughs> but you they're know what? They're not 34. Next time I see the struts will be 35. But you know what though, when you're when you when you love something when that's kind of your hobby, you know, you do that. I'm I've got a stack of comic books higher than my head sitting over here on my desk right now that I'm trying to go through and sort all out, you know, because why? That's my hobby. That's what I enjoy doing. So Yeah, seriously. Yeah. If and 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 for me, that hobby wasn't snatched away from me for a year and a half, two years, you know. And and yours has been, unfortunately. So yep. so the opportunity to go back and re-engage in this thing that you love to do is exciting and it's awesome. And I say, go to all you can, do it up. You know, that's it. Good Lord, why wouldn't you? It's time to be happy again for crying out loud. Oh, so. I need it. I need live music. I need concerts. So God will, and you'll go see the darkness. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. If the also, good Lord, sh- if the good Lord's willing, you'll go to a rock and roll concert. Um, uh, also, shout out to uh, to Mark being like, I feel like Kristen is the person to take to a comic con to get all the good meet and greets and stories. Yes, <laughs> yes. I, I do. Like, if I am like into something, like I go hard, and it's like, no, like I. I am not leaving until my goal is accomplished. <laughs> so I would say I'm a pretty fun person to, to go to things like that. Never been to a con though. Yeah. Well, um, the cons are, are interesting depending on what they are. I, I did dragon con the one time with Derek, uh, for Starkville house of L and I'm just not interested in never going back to dragon con over in Atlanta. Um, <laughs> I've never wanted to go out to San Diego to Comic Con. I just feel like it's just too much. I'm just like, eh. It's get it gets really, really. It it is, it is four days of trying to leave the arena at the end of the concert. Yeah, that is a lot. Like I would love to go to like, like a local con, but Mm -hmm. like a local con that had like good people. Like, because here's the thing. Here's my problem, Steve. My problem is that like I want to meet Henry Cavill. Yeah, yeah, that I is a problem. I want to meet Jason yeah. Momoa. Yeah, yeah. You're I not... would be doing that. For, it'd be like, I'm waiting in line to meet Jason Momoa all day. Right, and that's what that's what it would be. Yeah. That's what your con experience would be, for sure, if you did something like Which that. I, I have no problem with that. Now, if I ever saw Henry Cavill in person, I may actually forget how to speak. <laughs> I, I think I could compose myself around Momoa because Momoa seems like fun, but Henry, not that Henry Cavill doesn't seem fun, but Henry Cavill is just like, 
one, he was Superman. Right. <laughs> Hello. Right. Yeah. Um, and a great and, two, and a great Superman at that, by the way. He was a great Superman and totally underused. And we need more Cavill as Superman. Absolutely agree. Um, but also, like, he's also the Witcher. And you know mm-hmm. me, I am a sucker for a man with long hair. Oh, my sweet Lord. (laughs) (laughs) I'd be like, I loved you since I saw you in The Count of Monte Cristo when we sat in a seventh grade French class and watched that movie. And I freaking fell in love with you then. (laughs) And now we're here and you're the Witcher and your thigh looks really nice when I get to see it in season one, not in season two. Have you you seen the clip of him on um, Graham Norton talking Talking about about Warhammer? Warhammer? Yeah, yeah. He is such, and I say this with love, he is such a geek. Well, and I love that, though. I think that is just the coolest thing. And then he's sitting there with like, Tom Holland. Like you put them into little armies, and then you take them to fight someone else's army. Right, and then Tom Holland's talking about his little nerdy thing that he does, and so, like, all of a sudden, they've got these nerd things they're all talking about doing and, and busting on each other and just having a great time. Um, I thought that was really cool that he does Warhammer. I was like, you're such a, you're kind of one of us, dude. Kind of people were saying they were like, "Oh my God! Like he is our king! Like he in is so like, many ways he represents yeah. us." Yeah, I do hope desperately that he gets a chance to do Superman again and do it in a. But I don't think he is. I think I think they've moved on, and I think we're looking at Michael B. Jordan now doing that. But that, this is this is not Geek Out Loud. This is Rock Out Loud. Have you seen the Spider Man yet? I haven't. You know me, Steve. Here's my problem. I'm not I'm not the Marvel girl. I know, I know, but So I like I have not seen any of it. Now I've seen the old Spider Man's. I mean, mm-hmm, I know what mm-hmm. happens. Right, right. Well I know I know things show up. I let, know. Well let me tell you something, Kristen. Knowing knowing your, your love of all things emo, uh huh. You need to see this movie. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that makes me excited. But like the meme says, do I have to see Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, Spider-Man 1, 2, and Spider-Man 1, 2 in order to understand it? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. If, you, if you've if you kind of kept up a little bit with the Marvel stuff, okay, um, yeah, I, I think they catch you up to where you need to be from the last movie. They almost do a Rocky 2, Rocky 3 kind of thing ah. where, where the movie opens up before you ever get to the opening, you know, Marvel logo and everything with like the last few minutes of the last Spider-Man movie. And so you kind of see what situation you're in. And if you ever, if you did see those old Spider-Man movies, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I only saw the ones with Tobey Maguire. Okay. Well, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah. They give you enough, everything, everything in those movies, there's enough exposition about anything that had come before that you shouldn't leave too confused. Okay, well, that's good. So, you know. The, honestly, the only movie that I'm really looking forward to, or I guess like in the near future, mm-hmm. like the one movie I'm really looking forward to is the new Scream movie. You know what? I'm really interested in that. In are my, you really? Or are you being sarcastic? I'm being, I'm being dead serious. Scream was such a, 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 a revolutionary is a weird word, but Scream was just a great kind of look at it was a fun deconstruction of the horror genre of the day. Um, like how to do it right. Because, that's how you do it right. Well, because what Scream ended up being was this mystery. Yeah. And rather who than done it. Right. It was a whodunit rather than a horror. And and but it they, it uses the background of all these horror tropes, you know, in such a unique, fun way that 
as much as there were some jump scares and a little bit of blood and gore here and there, by and large, the movie was inter- it, the the first scream especially was so entertaining. Oh my god, unbelievable! And honestly, like really solid sequels. The two, for me, I don't love three. Yeah, but Scream I, Two is amazing. Scream Four is amazing. Okay, see, I've not seen Scream Four. I saw Scream Two. And I kind of remember, and I remember seeing, I think I saw Scream 3 at a drive-in with my brother and some friends. And I think we were just kind of, you know, messing around and didn't really pay much attention um, to it. But I don't quite remember Scream 3, and I don't think I ever saw Scream 4. But I saw this, like, whole new movie that's coming about, and my wife's like, no, no, that's going to be you all by yourself. I'm like, that's fine. Um, (laughs) Because I just, because... Let's see. It was the mid late nineties when the first scream came about, you know? And, yeah. I think 96 or 97. And so you're talking about a period of time. Look, it was, the, we've talked about the nineties on the show repeatedly in the nineties. Everything that was eighties was joke. Yes. And so, so Halloween, Friday, the 13th nightmare on Elm street, these things that in their day were actually a little freaky and scary and the stuff, you know, were now joke. And so what you had was a movie that paid homage to those things, but also, you know, had fun with the tropes of those movies, but didn't crap on them, yes. you know? And, and and I think that's what I really liked. It's like, it was a, of course it was Wes Craven. So of course, you know, he's, he's one of those masters. And so, um, Scream is Wes Craven, right? The original Scream that did yes. that, right? Yeah. So, so he's a master of horror. And so, but it was such a neat neat concept to me you know and by the way december 20th 1996 is when it came out oh shut up yeah so we just passed the anniversary nice wow but yeah that's like hard Steve, to believe. i definitely recommend checking out four like scream four is really good also mm-hmm. like sydney prescott is one of the best final girls like i'm always going to be a laurie strode girl through and through because mm-hmm. i'm a halloween girl right but Sydney Prescott is so B.A. She's so good. And I mean, that first scream, I mean, for me, you can't beat the whole Billy and Stu, like, campiness of the whole thing. Right, right, right. Like, that's just so good. Like, I mean, who knows what we're going to see. But, I mean, they are going back to Stu's house in this new scream movie. So very excited, looking forward to that coming out. Well, and apparently, uh, me and Mark were like, and me, Mark, and you, Steve, we are the, Scream fans. We're the ones looking forward to it, huh? Yeah. Well, and Scream. I mean, look, Scream was the what was kind of the resurrection of uh, Drew Barrymore. You know, yeah. this, this, even though even though her um, scene was so abbreviated and just you know just basically the opening of the movie, she had not been around. You know, she'd gone through her issues and had her troubles and everything. And this was kind of like her comeback to the screen, you know, and, and hey, she's reliable. She can do this. And then that leads into the other stuff that she would end up doing, you know, with the Charlie's Angels, with the Adam Sandler stuff, with all the other yeah, things that she would do. Yeah, never been kissed ever after. Like her, because I think of Drew Barrymore as like this huge 90s star, mm-hmm. but she's a late 90s star. Right, right, yeah. You know, it's all after Scream. Yep, yep. And so it's such a it, it's such a good movie and such a neat concept of just like you want to play a game, 
And yep. yeah, it it is. Yeah, I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to see if I can snag those other four and watch them. When is the when does the new one come out? January. I want to say January twentieth. Let's see. When does Scream Five come out? Even though they're not calling it Scream Five, January fourteenth, twenty twenty two. It's just they're just doing Scream, and yep. it's not. But it's not a reboot, right? It's a no, because all the original character. Well, not all, but right. the original characters are in it. You know, Dewey, Gail, Sydney. Yeah, this is where we got David Arquette and, and Courtney Cox together. Exactly. You know, this is where they met and started their little romance. So. Also, um, shout out to Andy in the chat for uh, Ever After, one of the two best Cinderella movies of all time. Completely agreed. I'd go so far as saying the best Cinderella movie of all time. So, shout out. <laughs> I saw it the one time in the theater on a date, I think. I saw it in the theater, too. Um, <laughs> But I just remember uh, it being such a unique take because up until that point, um, we hadn't really met her dad necessarily, you know, so yeah. we got to see that relationship and, and everything else. Yeah. That was a, that was a unique take and a good take on Cinderella, as I recall. Also the fact that she like was not the damsel in distress, like she was a strong chick, like mm-hmm. loved that, yeah. like just love, love that movie. Also controversial, but as a brunette, I loved a brunette Cinderella. Mm. <laughs> Because Belle was always my girl because she was, uh, you know, another fellow brunette. So I was like, yay, Drew Barrymore's brunette in this movie. Also, the best uh, wicked stepmother is Angelica Angelica Houston. Angelica Houston, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, and you're only going for the food. (laughs) Um, The the, the other thing, look, I'll go ahead and say this. I loved Drew Barrymore in Wedding Singer. Um, Oh, my God. She she played such the great little love interest and just sweet and kind, you know, and 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 she was that perfect individual that was dating a jerk and didn't realize what a jerk he was. And you're just like, why is this guy even with her? And how could she even hook up with him? And, you know, and and the whole the whole deal was just uh, great. And plus, you know, movie set in the 80s. And again, that was when 80s was a joke, you know, and of course, Adam Sandler was, you know, making fun of the tropes and everything. But it was still um I, I love that movie. I loved that. I loved Wedding Singer. I liked her in Wedding Singer. I liked her in Fifty First Dates. I thought she did great there. My um, only gripe about Wedding Singer is her hair is not eighties. Right. That's true. That's true. Got a problem with that. Even the French <coughs> hair isn't eighties. Just because her hair is curly does not mean it's eighties. Yeah. I think the whole. <laughs> I, but I think that might have been a, a a choice made to um, make her more relatable to the relatable. modern audience. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred yep. percent. Whoa. 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 Hang on. Chat. Steve, you've never seen 10 Things I Hate About You? I've never seen. No, Steve's never seen. <laughs> All right. Everybody, <laughs> oh, no. Hocus Pocus, watch along in this year, and 10 Things I Hate About You. Steve! What are we doing? What are we doing to me for that? Why? Why? Because 10 Things I Hate About You is absolutely iconic. And also, it's the alternate backstory of a land where the Joker and Robin go to high school together. <laughs> is it Heath Ledger and Chris O'Donnell? No, it's Heath Ledger and what's his face? Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he is right. He did end up being Robin, didn't he? <laughs> what about your man Robert Pattinson playing Batman coming up? Why did we get into Geek Out Loud all of a sudden? I, We've got to... <laughs> we always dip our toe in a little bit. Uh, um, I'm cautiously excited. Yeah. I, I've been in, like, since I saw the first trailer way back. Mm-hmm. And then, like, 
I just am going in being like, okay, I know I'm going to hate him as Batman just because I hate him. Mm. But um, then, like, this last trailer really liked it as well. It gives a lot of the story away, which is fine. Yeah. Um, well, they need, listen, they needed to. They needed to because they have been um, so cryptic. Showing the same five scenes. Yeah. Five yeah. Yeah. Been so cryptic <laughs> with things. And so to kind of get a little bit of a flavor of some of the characters in the story. Um, is interesting. And I, there's a lot of speculation out there that Riddler knows that Bruce is Batman, and I don't think that's the case. Doesn't he say in the trailer, Bruce? He does, but it sounds like it's from an, uh, from a different take somewhere else in the movie. Like it sounds, okay. So it seems like they're trying to lead you to think that's the case, but I don't, I don't gotcha. know that it will be the case. But it may be. It may be that it, they may actually be doing it. Excuse me while I totally go geek out. They may actually be doing kind of a hush Riddler mashup with this. Hush was a character that came about in the comics who basically was a step ahead of Batman in a lot of what was going on and ended up being a childhood friend of Bruce Wayne that figured out that Bruce's that Bruce had become Batman. And he ah. was and so he was kind of a broken kid from the start because he wanted he was jealous of Bruce for Bruce losing his parents. And so as a kid, like he set up quote unquote accidents for his parents and that sort of thing and Anyway, so so it seems like they're doing. I'm a little... also cautiously optimistic, by the way, about Catwoman. I mean, yeah. no one will ever top my girl Michelle Pfeiffer, <laughs> literally ever. However, cautiously optimistic yeah. looks way better than Anne Hathaway's version. It does, Sorry. it does. But they were going for something a little bit different with Anne Hathaway, though. Too, they were. It was that whole thing of trying to ground everything in as much reality as possible. And so, you know, and yeah, I have my opinions about that. But anyway, yeah, so I yeah, I didn't realize, I guess I didn't realize you didn't like Robert Pattinson. I, I'm sorry, I thought. Well, not that I don't like him. I kind of just have no opinion about him. I mean, mm-hmm. he was in those awful Twilight movies and like right. everybody was like, he's so hot. And right. I'm like, I'm blind. I, I don't <laughs> see that at all. Um, and I like, I don't, I don't see him as Batman. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. Listen, if you want to know, and I like dark, you know, I like dark. Sure. Sure. But this looks almost too dark to me. Like I, I told, uh, I forget who I told the other day. I, I, I'm I'm glad we've gotten so much of the dark night. I'd like to see the Cape Crusader. Um, you know, right? Like I'm sick of the origin. Why do we always have to have an origin story? Why yeah. can't we have someone that's just in the middle of their superhero dump? Right, right. Well, and I felt like <laughs> I felt like there was a great opportunity to do that with Affleck because they kind of did that. Yes. But he was so mad and angry and just, you know, branding Although people. I, I really liked him as I thought he did a great Batman. Oh, I did too. I, I just think that they, they went a little too overboard with the darkness in him. Mm. And and so and so when you, but I I did like him as Batman. I would have liked to get to spend more time with him as Batman. Um, you know, I liked his Bruce Wayne, especially once you're at the end of Batman v Superman, and mm-hmm. he's kind of realized what where he had gone wrong with things, mm-hmm. and um and and so when you get into Justice League, you know, he's trying to form the team. He's kind of obsessed about doing it and everything. Whether you're looking at the Snyder cut or the theatrical cut. You know, there's just something, there's more, he's more heroic than he was in Batman v Superman. Um, and and so he was leaning into more of the superhero I wanted to spend time with at that point. I don't need, I don't necessarily need the jokes and the funniness of the theatrical cut of the Justice League, even though I enjoyed it. Yeah. But, but, <laughs> but I, also, I also don't need a four hour movie to make me like this character a little more, you know. 
And um, but I, I like maybe we learn that we shouldn't rush things. Like maybe we shouldn't just have yeah. Here's a Superman movie. Okay, now here's Batman. By the right, way, right, right. Yep. Like yep. let let's let. Why can't we let things breathe? Why can't we build things? Like what? Just why? Yep. Yeah. <sighs> but well, also excited about the Flash movie. Uh, because. I effing love Michael Keaton. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really intrigued by that, and I'm, you know, and I it's too. and it's so. It, what's funny though is is like regardless of anything that was known, or anything that um that had been out there for honestly, the whole Michael Keaton thing's been out there since 2019. Um, Ever I and, know, and so regardless of any of that, regardless of the trailer and everything. Everyone's going to be able to say Marvel did it first because of the Spider-Man movie, and and I just I think that's kind of hilarious. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's just funny to me. Um, so, but yeah, I I was interested. And and look, if anyone's wanting to know how in the world Kristen and Steve are um, are are able to get along the way we do, it comes <laughs> down to one statement: uh, stupid Robert Pattinson. Those stupid Twilight movies. Stupid, stupid Twilight movies. <laughs> I don't know what people see in him, and I'm like, then there, and there is the reason that we do this show together. So, boom, mic drop. Yeah. So if you're ever wondering, that there's your answer. All right. Well, that does wrap it up for us here, though. Thanks for letting us do a little geek out with you at the end, and I hope that everyone has a has a great new year, and um, and uh, I hope you had a great Christmas. Uh, we didn't really talk about Christmas, Kristen. I hope yours was good. Was. I hope yours is good too. It was. I had a very superhero Christmas. Um, reclaimed, reclaimed some some pieces of childhood uh, thanks to my loving wife. So I was really excited to to get some some various and sundry books that uh, that I had discovered as a child that really got me into the comic book side of superheroes. And so um, and so she found those for me. And uh, and so I've got a great little shelf full now of of some great old school books um that have to do with all the superhero stuff you know and love but um good times and uh and here's hoping for a better 2022 than a 2021 was um look even though it's been rough for a lot of people and things haven't been great we have to admit this year has been better than the last so we're on the uptick at least um always got problems always got issues but there's always a reason to keep your head up and and keep keep moving forward. And if you can't, then just fire up some tunes and party down, everybody. So hell yeah. <laughs> and in the words of Ted Theodore Logan and Bill S. Preston Esquire, be excellent to each other <laughs> and party on, dudes. Until we'd love to hear from you the way that the fourth Dave on Twitter emailed us at rockoutloudpod at gmail.com, rockoutloudpod at gmail.com. You can find us at Rock Out Loud Pod on all the socials as well as the Goliverse group over on Facebook by going to geekoutonline.com slash group. And we'd love to hang out with you in those areas and uh, talk about all the things that we love. So until next time, probably next year, I'm Steve. I'm Kristen. Rock on, everybody. Rock on, guys. Bye.
It's so funny to me that they like dog on the classical music in this song. And then years later, it would be something that some rock bands would do, like get with these classical orchestras and do, you know, like Metallica did the S&M thing, the symphony and Metallica. But there's been other things, too, like that. I just think that's really kind of funny. Like that was the height of rebellion in the early 90s. I hate classical music. 